You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 126. Rip, rip, and rip once again. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that doesn't have time to listen to you whine. My name is Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. And I'm Mark Welzer, filling in for Raven Perez, who is on location. It's great to have you back again, Mark. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for stepping in to help us out uh, in these trying times. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me, pals. Now, Hopefully I will not uh, piss everybody off. By making fun of Freak Force. <laughs> it's too late. Feel too free. late for that. Feel dude. free. I mean, there's only one person that really bothers. Right. Uh, who cares? I mean, and that's Vic Bridges. Yep. <laughs> Top well. fan, friend of the show, Vic Bridges. All right, so we, we got, got we got a ton to get through. So let us get started on that. Uh going into the news right away. Uh we got Eric telling us on Facebook that he is colorizing the Megaton Dragon vs. Vanguard story that ran way, way back in the Megaton uh, comics. Uh, they're going to be in issue 267, which is the wedding issue, the big uh, anniversary issue. So that's something to look forward to. I got to say, the coloring that he's been showing off on Facebook looks amazing. Yeah, A+. Plus. I love that stuff. I mean, he's mostly Can't. grumbling about how much of a pain in the ass it is, but it's coming out great. Yeah, it's, those old stuff, they, they always look good when he does that retro coloring. It's funny, like, the amount of effort and time to make it look like shitty old comics. <laughs> make it look terrible. It takes a <laughs> yeah. lot of time and effort to make it look like shit. To make it look like good, terrible, old printing. Right. I love it, though. I love when he does these things. Uh, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I've seen this this story so many times, so I'm not the most excited about yeah, these this, reprints. This will in, be the fourth time, the I think. But it is and cool to see it colored. Not not even oh, and it'll also be reprinted for a fifth time in roughly the same month. Oh. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. This is um what story was it? Was this the one from Megaton number three? Yeah, I think it's Dragon versus Vanguard, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest with you, I don't remember that one as much, so it'll be nice to revisit. Is that one the one with the the Soviet robot, is, or is that a separate I, story? See, that, the Soviet robot was maybe Megaton number one. Okay, and that's just Van uh, Dragon. I mean, right? Or is that Vanguard? I can't I remember. Don't, I Vanguard. don't remember. Right, 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 right. Because I think Dragon appears at the end of the story in Megaton two on like the last page, and then Megaton three they 
fight, I think. Which is the classic cover of Vanguard yeah. and Dragon punching it out. Which everyone says is the first appearance of Dragon, even though he showed up on the last page <laughs> in the previous book. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's worth millions of dollars. Yeah, Dozens. you can get part two for or much cheaper. <laughs> All right, so what's our next uh, next uh, item? We have a image released for the cover for Savage Dragon 268. Yeah, we've got uh, what appears to be Dragon or Malcolm Dragon getting punched in the groin yet again. Just can't get a break. It seems to be a little higher. Uh, It says, this one, you don't dare miss. What power unleashed? And what power is being unleashed, I wonder? One does wonder. I believe believe a similar concept appeared within the pages of our own uh, super freaks, perhaps. Oh, you know. Well, I find interesting is that it's clearly supposed to be Maxine but we don't see her face and I wonder if that's some kind of like mimic yeah so um I gotta apologize because I didn't include the solicitation but there is one out for that oh no I didn't include it in our agenda so I apologize Mark but the solicitation is Malcolm is settling into his new home on the west coast and his new job containing and controlling the all-out mayhem in the region it's the start of a bold new direction as Malcolm Dragon assembles his team and faces a threat of unparalleled proportions. Strap in for the ride of a lifetime. Strap in, dudes. Maxine likes the sound of that. Yeah, that solicitation <laughs> that on. is refreshingly vague. <laughs> oh, yeah. All Savage Dragon uh, solicitations are refreshingly vague. Right. Anything can happen. And typically it does. Yeah, so, it's a good it's a good cover. It's Malcolm getting punched. We've seen it. He's going through a wall. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't I, I had the first thought that you did though, Mark, is like, is that really Maxine or like you know, it, it is kinda like you don't see a face, so it makes you wonder. Doppelkager. Yeah, it looks very intentionally hiding that face. <laughs> All right, well, moving on then, we have um, a solicitation for the Megaton Collection, um, which is actually coming out through Image Comics. Uh, It's priced at $29.99, and uh, the solicitation reads, uh, The black and white anthology Megaton was at the forefront of the independence comic revolution, and from 1981 to 1987, publisher and writer Gary Carlson helped rewrite comics history. Eric Larson's Savage Dragon and Rob Liefeld's Youngblood both debuted in Megaton, prompting Liefeld to later dub Carlson the grandfather of Image Comics. And the series was notable for launching the careers of a veritable who's who of artists. Now celebrating Megaton's 40th anniversary, the original eight issues are collected for the first time ever in their entirety in chronological order and in glorious black and white scanned from the art and film negatives used to publish the original comics. Collects Megaton 1 through 8 plus early ads for the series, unpublished art, preliminary character designs, and commentary by Carlson and more. So we're going to get all those Vanguard and Dragon stories reprinted here as well. So we'll be able to refresh our memories on all of them. It's kind of kind of cool to see this happen. I know there's been a lot of talk about this 
over the years, and uh, I'm glad it's coming out through Image. It seems like a perfect fit. Did Youngblood um, really debut in Megaton, though? Wasn't it just a house ad? Uh, yeah, and it was in like um, a small kind of like a I don't know if a, it's not really a, like like an ash can. Wouldn't you call it that, Mark? You know, I don't know if you know the Megaton explosion. Uh, yeah, I don't have explosions, so I'm not real sure. I have it, and it's just kind of like a little write-up on all the Megaton characters and stuff like that. But there was also an ad, um, and I think it was actually called Youngblood. It was called something else, I think, like X-Mutants or something. I don't remember the whole story about that, but I do remember hearing that he initially intended to call it X-something, and then Marvel, the Marvel offices got really mad about it. Yeah. I remember that story. I just don't know the specifics. But a lot of the characters are the same. Um, I do have Megaton Explosion. It's like a really cheaply like newsprint thin kind of kind of like an ash can. But they are pretty prominent in that. So it well, kind of is like their first appearance at least. Well, it doesn't mention here if that's going to be in the the collection or not, does it? I assume it's going to be because it it was it says. Yeah. Let me see. It just says one through eight. Plus early ads and... Okay. But not the holiday like a... special. Well, that's the thing. I was about to say there's also the holiday special, and I think there's one other book, too, but I can't remember the name. It might be the holiday special now that I think about it. Yeah, I wonder why that's not in there, not talked about. I think that was published through Eternity Comics. Maybe there's like oh, a rights issue right. or something. You're right. Yeah. It was like pre-bagged, poly-bagged or something. I actually, I actually own that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I read, went through those. I do own them, but uh, but it's yeah. cool to have. It's cool to. These are the kind of reprints I look uh, that I get really interested about. Um, I'm actually more. In, I'm more interested in like the actual Megaton stories, to be completely honest, because that guy's been showing up in Big Bang Adventures, and I want to know more about Megaton. Do you not have all the uh, the old Megaton books, Jim? No, no, I do not. They used to be like so cheap. I don't know if they maybe they still are. I don't know. I think I, I've never I've never run into a single one in the wild, or else I probably would have bought them. That's why I have the holiday special because it's the only one I've ever ever found. There are a ton of good artists that came out of that though, for real. It's pretty amazing. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. And our next Angel video- Medina and uh, uh, Larson and Liefeld and. There's a million names, but I can't. No, I can't think of any. Single yeah, name. Angel Medina went on to do like the Warlock books in the '90s for a while. Yeah. Didn't he do some Spawn? He did. I think one of the Spawn spinoffs. I think, and he did the Berserker, and um, the Berserker episode or issue of Vanguard as well. That was him, as far as I remember. Right. Uh. Jackson, uh, how do you say his last name? Geese or G U I Geis? Yeah, he's he's had a career, pretty good career. He uh, did a bunch. I'm um, trying to think who else was in there. Oh, of course, Frank Fosco. He was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. There's definitely, like you said, there's de- Angel Medina. I know. Uh. Yeah, there's definitely someone else that I'm I'm missing. Uh, yeah, there's another big one, but it's it's escaping me right now. So apologies to fill in the name here later, Jim. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's move on. 
Well, our next bit of news is very similar. Uh, we got solicitation information for Savage Dragon Savage Dragon Ultimate Collection Volume 2, which is uh, scheduled to be out in June 27th. Uh, its solicitation text goes, Savage Dragon's formative years collected at last. This massive hardcover collects a host of the Savage Dragon's most epic adventures, featuring a slugfest with Super Patriot, Jimbo the Mighty Lobster, The Fiend, She-Dragon, Widow, Vanguard, Dragon Possessed, and the final showdown with the villainous Overlord. Savage Dragon The Ultimate Collection Volume 2 is a can't-miss for all burgeoning fanatics looking for an easy way to start this long-running series from the beginning. Introduction by Eric Larson. Collects, uh, the, oh, it collects Savage Dragon 9-21, through 21, including relevant portions of Wildcats 14, plus loads of extras. Nice. All right. So, yeah, I mean, it's the next Ultimate Collection. It's nice it's uh, coming out. It's like uh, six months after the last one. Hopefully it keeps up that pace. I don't understand relevant portions of Wildcats 14. Good question. Because like going to miss some pages because he drew the whole issue. I, I my well, I'm more con- confused because I thought like the, the quote unquote relevant pages were what was in Savage Dragon uh, uh, 13. I think they're because uh, I know when he collected it in the black and whites, the archives. Yeah, they were all pretty much uh, Wildcats and Dragon 13 were were both in there for the most part. I think there was one page in Wildcats that was different from Dragon. It was the last page. Hmm. When they're at that, the beach that or something. That might be what they're referring to, because I know it's like the last page had more of the perspective from Wildcats, whereas in the Dragon 13, it, it was, was from the Dragon. And Dragon. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. might be the only change. Yeah, probably. He probably swapped that. But that seems like a weird thing to call out in a solicitation. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just saying, well, yeah, it's 14, like anyone would care. Right. Well, who knows? Gotta slap the word Wildcats on there somewhere. Get someone's attention. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to the loads of extras. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is that going to be besides, I don't know. What else could there be? I mean, I can't imagine he's going to do it like volume one where he just put a shit ton of stuff in the back. Well, I know in the old trade paperbacks, he used to have tons of back material for those. Um, lots of sketchbook stuff. I think that was right around the time where he was doing the cartoons. So there was all these cartoon drawings and a lot of characters yeah. who still figuring out doing sketches and stuff. I know back in that era, there's still a lot of sketches. There's, I'm hoping there's a bunch that we have never seen before. I hope he does like prints like at least like a decent size of all like the title cards from the cartoon. That was cool. Right. Be nice to get him in color, although I don't know if he has a probably doesn't have those. No, probably not. All right. Oh, well. well, shall we uh, move this train along? We got a chugga, lot chugga, of chugga. letters to get through. Well, let's start Boilers. start us off, Craig, with the All right, everyone's favorite uh segment interesting conversations where we pose a question to get the conversation going and ask you the listener to respond and or suggest your own topic so on our last regular episode we asked what other savage dragon character should you should get a one issue spotlight dedicated to them um and so we asked you to write us and we got a ton of letters this time so this really must have uh uh, there must have been something that yeah struck a nerve. Thanks, I had a brain fart here. Um, 
just a reminder, if you want to respond, send us an email at savagefincast at gmail.com. Once we get through all these letters, we will pose a new uh, interesting conversation. So let's start with our first mail response. Uh, we had Ken Albury. Um, he writes, hello, gentlemanly trio. When the question, what other Savage Dragon character should get a one-issue spotlight was posed, we all know I am going to answer one character, Insect. So here I go. I'm going to go with Insect. Honestly, I would love to see an issue like 264 dedicated to any of the characters that have come along with little or no backstory. However, I'm going to continue to be a broken record, submitting that with the Dragon family now being aware of Billy's existence. Insect's actions prior to her injury are important to the main storyline. Insect stepped in for Billy when no other VC member would have. If not for her taking over that motherly role, it's possible that Billy would not have survived to make it to the end of issue 263. How much of an impact Billy will have on the title remains to me to be seen, but I don't think it will be minor. What was her motivation to do so? What in her background made her take in this green fin kid? I find that villains that are not always villainous make for amazing characters. Powerhouse is another example. There's so much we could find out about Insect that I've posed before. Is she truly bad? Did she join the VC to survive or out of want? Does that damn costume come off? When did she learn she could talk to bugs? How many times has she chilled in a cocoon to recover from an injury inflicted at the hands of Samurai? However, I question if we should get another issue like 264 at all. I'm among those that now consider the story of Paul to be my favorite issue of the series or up there at the top of the list anyway. Is it even possible to match the amazingness of that issue? I think you guys nailed it when you discussed how our rough knowledge of the events that are depicted in the new issue make them important. It's exciting to have all the events from Eric's childhood books, graphic fantasy, and Megaton become canon. Issue 264 is more than the sum of its parts. I don't think using the same format with another character would ever live up to the issue we just read. In closing, thanks again for all you guys do. I enjoy the tr podcast tremendously. I spent my time drawing birthday art for Raven while listening to this episode. Keep up the good work. Ken Albury, pronounced Alberry. No more need to struggle with it. <laughs> well, I think Ken's going to be disappointed after yeah, reading this. Bad issue. news. I hope yeah. he's sitting down. <laughs> Uh, but you never know. Maybe Poor she Ken. is in a cocoon right now inside her costume. Metamorphosizing into uh, <laughs> the butterfly. The monarch. No, that's somebody else. Oh, that's been done. Yeah. All right. Well, Thanks for the letter. Uh, I'm next, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, next letter, Connor Tierney. He writes in. Uh, hey, guys, in response to your more recent interesting question, one character I'd loved a full issue showcase for is Dixie, De Dixie, Dixie, Dixie Dexter. She's been a background character since her introduction. And I feel like there's a lot that could be done exploring her experiences growing up with a genius father who got mutated by a Dimension X alien, turned himself into a robot and then died uh, and a socially stunted superhero mother who herself wasn't properly raised by anyone. Uh, I can't imagine that upbringing, upbringing would create a well-balanced person at all, And but I think there's a lot of intrigue to be found there for that reason. Also gives the chance to have some Freak Force adjacent bits here and there, so we can see uh, what they've been up to over the last few years of the story. Maybe even a look at Barbaric and Ricochet's kids at long last. 
My second pick would be Killcat Origin, uh, a Killcat Origin issue where we see him before he meets Kid Avenger. Uh, it's been great having Dragon back monthly and having FinCast episodes to listen to alongside it. Keep up the great work as always, Connor Tierney. Uh, on that second bit, we actually already seen Killcat's origin in the Deadly Duo miniseries. Mini. Yeah, and we right. actually saw some solo Killcat in Freak Force. Uh, now that's not to say we can't have more, but uh, it has been done. As for the Dixie Dexter uh, spotlight, I fully agree. I think her 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 parentage is pretty fascinating. Um, from that point, same point of view of uh, you know having the genius father who is also an alien and a robot and uh, and a mother who was not raised very well. Um, it definitely would create an interest. I, I think you could do a lot with that kind of character. And I do He's kind been of- in the book so infrequently that as you were writing, reading that letter. I had to think, who the fuck is Dixie? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it just sucks that the market can't bear like another Freak Force or spinoff series, and like we're so spoiled with like the early issues of Dragon, where all those characters could be fleshed out like on side books that you didn't have to worry about it, and now like where that market doesn't support that, it's like you don't see a character for like fifteen years. Well, with them moving back to the states, maybe we'll get some more of some of these Freak Force kids. Maybe, maybe now's their time to shine because we we really haven't seen a lot of them. Yeah, I want to see what's up with that uh, with the the chief character from uh, the Sunday Funnies. Mm. <laughs> yes, and Barbaric no, it, it, and Ricochet. Did how many kids did they? They just had one kid, right? They just had no, they kids. had like three, don't they? Did they? Two, there's at least two or three. Right. We definitely talked about this in in one of the FinCast episodes, like one of the funerals. You could see them. They had several kids. All right. Not, if not, they also have bouncy blood. <laughs> bouncy like ball bubbly things that turn into eggs. Correct. No now one's going to get that reference unless they just listen to that <laughs> Finch, that, uh, retro issue. Now I really kind of hope the whole new SOS lineup is all the kids only, honestly. Get them all on one team. Next generation SOS. Oh, like in the San Francisco team he's putting together? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You still get to use Mighty Man, and you still get to... You know, Super Patriot can still be like a mentor character. But, and uh, I'm assuming, like, where does Dixie Dexter live now? Is she, did she stay in the U.S.? She's like an alien, right? Did she go up to Canada with... No. I can't she, remember. That's a, that's a well, good question. Her, her mother died in the U.S., so she was in the U.S., and we've seen her with Freak Force in various uh-huh. group shots we've seen of them. How old is she now? Mm, teenager, probably. Okay. Right. I'm just wondering if she is old enough that where she no longer needs a parental... Guardian or not. So let's see. Date of birth, 2007. Oh, I guess she's not that old. I guess she's. Well, she's old enough. Barely. Well, great. Bring her in the book. Let's see what she's got. <laughs> Dixie, Dixie Dexter and the Midnight Runners. Let's bring her on. I'm like. So what do you guys guess for how many kids Barbaric has? Three. I said one, and clearly it was wrong. Let's see. Oh, did you not already look it up? 
Oh, you don't have the answer. I'm looking it up. I was ready for the reveal. No, I'm slow. The, the Sorry. most pregnant of pauses. <laughs> uh, let's see. Kids. Three. Oh, wow. That is a lot. Cody running bear, hunting Hunter running bear, and Tiffany running bear. Huh. Showed up in issue 169 and 263. Well, huh. let's, see what, let's see more of them. All right. Great. All right. Bring them on. Shall we move on? We let's shall, move on. please. Our next letter. This one comes to us from Hemi Cooper. It says, I would like to see Chaos and Control give it an issue. How did they find each other? What happened to Control in the Image Universe after Chaos was killed? I imagine him finding and raising a baby Chaos. I imagine Amy will somehow struggle, uh, smuggle Walter into San Francisco. Yeah, I've, I've always wondered about Chaos and Control's relationship. Because I think, didn't we see another Chaos in the book at one point? Uh, that did not have a Control? So, yes. did we? Yes. Oh. I don't remember that. I think back in like the forties, I think, right? Yeah, I want to say so. And then that's the image universe, and then he's back in this what we call Malcolm's universe, the Savage World. Yeah. Well, he just is, he's he, actually he, going to be in the issue that we talk about, right? Is he? Yes, for like a panel. Oh, I thought he was dead. I thought he died uh, during nope. the. Oh. Chaos and control. Yeah, I think I think Control's dead. I think he died during the raid when Paul and Malcolm took out the vicious circle. Oh, Control! I don't make, uh, oh yeah, Chaos. Because his yeah, last appearance sure is in two sixty two, which is that issue. I don't know. I thought oh, I could yeah, he's not. In, I'm sorry, not in this. Issue. Yeah, two sixty two. Yeah, right. Two sixty two. Yeah, Mako killed. Yeah, uh, Mako yes, killed him. him. Building building fell off on him. You're right. I apologize. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, so, I, I think I, I think Walter should go with them to San Francisco. He absolutely should. He definitely. We haven't needs to seen much book. of him yet. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta imagine he somehow makes his way there. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's move on. We got Ron Ruvalcaba, and I think Mark is is Juan been a. a Finhead for longer than you? He may have been. Uh, I remember when he was posting on the Savage Forum as Johnny Bubbles. <laughs> he also used to have a Savage Dragon fan page. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah he was one of the other ones. He, uh, he was one of the first guys that I met in Chicago in, I think, 2001 he... or 2000 when we, we went to Chicago and we all had uh, lunch with Eric and Chris Eliopoulos. He's right. been around for a while. He, I think he may have been around before me. I think he's got more Savage Dragon commissions than probably anybody, would you say? Yeah. I think he'd be a good one because he also, I think he collects, or at least he shares a lot of international um, translated issues of Dragon as well. Yes. Yeah. He's always an awesome contributor to the he's Facebook a, he's page. He's a big but... fan. He's a real cool dude. And uh, I miss you, Johnny Bubbles. <laughs> All right, so Juan says, hey, fellas, 
dang, I was all gearing up to send an actual letter for 263 and write to you guys about the show discussing the issue. But then you go ahead and drop the FinCast for Ant 6. Then Eric goes ahead and decides to turn the book into a monthly again. And you guys got right back in the booth and dropped a whole new episode for 264. Give a Finedict some time to catch up. Can't wait for the book to move to San Francisco. Regarding your previous interesting question, hopefully most of the supporting cast stays in Canada and maybe we see mentions of Tootsie and North Force on the news. But for the most part, I'm interested in seeing the new characters we'll be introduced to in San Francisco. As for the new interesting question, my joke answer is issue 300 will be a standalone John Day issue. (laughs) My real answer is Frank Darling Jr. Let's get a whole episode about him and his relationship with his pop. We never got to really see this version of Frank grow up. We only got to meet him after the cast moves to the Savage World. Let's get a couple of flashbacks of young Frank interacting with Dark World Dragon. Does he have any trauma of seeing his dad struggle with only one arm? Maybe take it from a Marvel's Kingdom Come angle and play up his humanity mortality in a world filled with gods and demonoids. As for my own interesting questions and conversations, I have two for you guys. Do you think the Wicked Worm is an agent of the demonoids, and will we see him return in service to the demonoid sorcerer? And finally, if Malcolm or any of his kids started a pop punk ska band, what would the band, what would be the band name? I'm thinking the Green Meanies, or maybe Dry Rot and the Meat Grinders. Anyway, thanks for another awesome episode, fellas. Can't wait for the next issue and the next FinCast. So, pretty good uh, suggestions. I think we're going to have to steal one for the interesting conversations later on, the new one. Um, I like his thought about Frank Jr. At first, I was like, eh, but the more he talked about it, it is kind of cool maybe to see it from that Marvel's point of view. Like, what is... What does the Savage Dragon universe look like from like a normal person? I bet he's got a pretty fucked up life. <laughs> I always, I always enjoyed like the cop aspect of Savage Dragon, even when it left and the cops are still in the picture. Like I always thought it was kind of cool that like the cops are kind of like the main adversary against these villains. You know what I mean? Like the that it wasn't other superhero groups that were taking them on. It was like regular cops and just Savage Dragon or a superhero here and there. Yeah, I I know that's a very popular era of the book Um, that didn't last very long. I know that's, I mean, because when I, that's when when I started reading the book, he was a cop. And I know a lot of people associate that as like the iconic look of, uh, of Dragon. But yeah, that was great. There was so many different characters we got to know. We got to learn a lot. I feel like we learned more about the cops than we did some of these other SOS guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we read a meter maid and uh, William Johnson and, and all them. I th- I think it was so iconic because nobody else did that at the time. There were no right. powers or any of those kind of like books that are kind of like you know it's more commonplace now right. and just people take it for granted. But back then. You know, it, it was a pretty novel idea. I think to the point, like, when Powers came out, there was some talk of, like, oh, this is like a Savage Dragon. Probably. Book, but it ended up being something completely different. But, yeah, no, nobody else had done it before. And then didn't, didn't Joe Quesada have that character? It was like a fire man or something. Ash? <laughs> yeah, Ash. Yeah. 
my guy's going to be uh, a postal worker. <laughs> be a file clerk. He's going to go postal. That's going to be his catchphrase. I'm going postal. <laughs> <laughs> Deliver uh, us from evil. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put my stamp on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you think of Juan's question about the the Wicked Worm uh, as an agent of the demonoids? I mean, it kind of Wicked Worm kind of looks like. Uh... Yeah, he's a little. Yeah. He's got a little of that gnarled demonoid look. I don't know. We don't really I'm have not, any I'm history for what it. he. We don't. We don't have any history for him. He's just kind of a right. mighty man villain from the '40s who's just kind of stuck around. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see much similarity there between them and the demonoids. Yeah, I suspect he's his own thing. It's just his own thing, Juan. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, thanks for writing in, Juan. All right, next letter we got from uh, Jeremy Daw. Uh, hey, guys, this is a great question to think about given the expansive cast of Dragon. I have a few potential plots which I have been curious about. Idea number one. The story of how members of the Vicious Circle had relocated to Toronto had been fun to read. I have wondered about Chicago as our story has been in Toronto for the last few years and Frank Jr. on the police force. To me, there are a good number of subjects to explore. One being, one being, does Chicago still have a contingent of Vicious Circle freaks operating in the city? Has Frank Jr. moved up in the police force? Is there some internal conflict regarding his work in law enforcement compared to his father's? Uh, how has parenting of a little girl gone for him? I think that within the title, Going Back to the States, there are stories with a great uh, supporting cast in the background. Uh, the reader could not only discover what's in San Francisco, but also where the book began. Most likely, Eric uh, has ideas on this. As much as, I ha- as much as I have liked the fights and unpredictable nature they have in this book, the slice-of-life bits uh, where it gets, quite, gets quiet are some of my favorite stories. Idea number two, I know that the book has explored Maxine's insatiable sex drive in previous issues, but one shot where it's been but a one shot where it's more of Maxine being a mom to the kids, running the house, to me I think it would be interesting. Uh, because this is one area in her life where she would have the most control over given Malcolm's line of work and general chaos that occurs in the family. I think uh, I kept thinking uh, she was developing a Marie Con oh wait, developing a I kept thinking she was developing a Marie Kondo where she's all about organization and cleaning. The dynamic between Maxine and Malcolm has always been fun to read, yet uh, her becoming over-controlling in the house with the children as a byproduct of all the stuff the family has gone through intrigues me. Idea three. The idea is that, just for giggles and anything, given the deluge of corporate superhero TV shows and movies, what if one studio took a chance in dramatizing the crime-fighting of Kill Cat in the resulting movie, uh, is an unexpected success. It would be hilarious to me how obnoxious and jealous Alan would get over his newfound fame because the movie tells his story wrong by making him look heroic and smart uh, and try to parlay this success into a live streaming crime fighting program to give his audience a real crime, how real crime fighting works. You could have a guest spot by Neutron Bob to see how he's faring. I've enjoyed your show for quite some time, guys. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Best, Jeremy Daw. Man, he's got some real... Uh ideas yeah plan these out two letters in a row asking for more frank, frank jr more frank jr yeah. now, um 
I, I don't believe Chicago currently has a vicious physical condition because it got uh, freak out bombed. The whole idea is right. that they, they wiped out all the superhumans. Um, whether or not more have moved in since is another question. But I think the implication is Chicago has calmed the hell down a lot from where it was. That is, um, uh, that is my understanding. Yeah. Now, I- now, don't forget, one of the last, remember, uh, as for Frank's like role in the department, Remember back in the funnies issue, he basically got uh, cold cocked by what's his fucking face. Oh yeah, I uh, forgot for, that, that Dick Tracy. Yeah, shit. and uh, yeah, he. I, I don't totally think, forgot about that. I don't think he's uh, best friends with most of the department right now. I think he's kind of on their shit list, or at least in the corrupt cop shit list, which is definitely yeah, I, I something. Need to go back and look at that. Uh, I do. I do recall there was some fallout from that where we saw him in the hospital with like a. Uh, bandage on his head so that's definitely canon so whether or not he's still um still actually you know a cop i'm actually kind of curious about because i don't know if that's actually been um fully established since then if he's still working as a police officer no i yeah. can't remember seeing it show up since then it's still yeah i forgot all about that also, I had to look up who Marie Kondo was. Yeah, I have no she idea. She was the um, the lady that throws out stuff that doesn't bring you joy or whatever. Oh, right. I've never heard of this person in my thing. life. Yeah, yeah, it was a meme. Okay. Yeah. No. The, the joke is that she's uh, it's supposed to be anti-hoarding, but she goes a little bit too far with things that aren't hoarding, and so it's kind of a joke now. Gotcha. And there is mention also here of uh, a kill cat... TV show and movies, and we there was a Kill Cat movie in Deadly Duo number, I think was it four uh, in the second the, series. The must second be. series, yeah. yeah. Oh, I haven't read that. Oh, that's right, Jim has not read that. But uh, yeah, no, that uh, that they they tried to make a Kill Cat movie. <laughs> I, I would be funny if there was a successful Kill Cat movie that did not represent his life at all. I think that actually would be pretty funny. Right. Um, but uh. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it actually goes out, goes down in the actual series. I feel like a better fit for him would be like a show like Cops, where it just follows him around <laughs> Detroit, beating the shit out of people. Yeah, people get to really see what Kill Cat's all about. <laughs> right, he's hamming it up for the cameras and stuff. I think that'd be great. Let's make it happen. Kid Avenger keeps accidentally killing the cameraman. Right. Pretty good. Is that all we have for that letter, or do you have anything else you want to add? That's it, I think. All right, let's move on to James Sheehan, wrote a letter. says, hi again, friends. I love the side banter of the last few episodes about ska music, (laughs) but I won't get into it here for Craig's sake. I like ska music and Operation Ivy and Sublime. Yes, I have a few children, 12, 14, and 25. My 14-year-old is just getting into comics. He likes uh, just a few books, Swamp Thing and Gunslinger Spawn, but I'm getting him into Savage Dragon. I got him the Ultimate Collection. As far as the interesting conversation, I'd like to see a spotlight on Powerhouse. I think Raven mentioned him as side jargon in the last episode, but I'd like to read about Powerhouse. I find him to be a great character and a superb brawler. I'd like to see who would, who I would like to see who had mask in the past, to see possibly the different wielders or wearers. 
mm, of the yes. map from different time periods that alone could fill up a comic. Uh, maybe even see his own perspective on some of his fights with Dragon and Malcolm throughout the past years as well. Thanks again for your podcast, guys. Take care. P.S. And we need more feisty Jim. <laughs> I mean, slabbers and worm wrestling fucking perfect. Feisty Jim. You'll have to remind me about worm wrestling. What was that? I, I know it's got, slabbers. It's, it's got to be about dicks. I actually can't remember myself. <laughs> okay. It's got to be about dicks. Oh, he's getting so feisty. He's lost his memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, something about wrangling wicked worms, something like that. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds like one of the disgusting things that you would say on the, your podcast here. I do, I do like when Feisty Jim makes an appearance. It's like <laughs> once every maybe five episodes, a little bit. It's very feisty. But there's, uh, yeah, there's a good, some good points brought up here about uh, Powerhouse and his mask. I forgot that he got, he kind of received the mask, so there could be other Powerhouse. Throughout history. Giant chicken men through the ages. Yeah. One of them looks like The Rock. <laughs> he's basically... Giant. the bla- he's ba- Powerhouse is basically the Black Adam Savage Dragon. Hayhead. What a great character. I do love me some Powerhouse. I gotta be honest. I, I love Powerhouse. I kind of hate the idea that it's just taking his mask off takes his powers away. <laughs> You're going to love this issue. Right, yeah. yeah, that seems to be a running thing. Uh, all right, thanks, so. Thanks for your letter, James. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Let's uh, keep it moving. We're almost through. Uh, next letter uh, is by someone that goes by the handle Thrawn. Thrawn7, I guess. Uh, he writes, hello, Jim, Craig, and insert Mark here. Someone, Somebody pinch me. An issue a month within two months. Wow. In answer to your previous interesting conversation, I agree with one Jim's answer, the Seeker. I'd love to see a deep dive of the character's origin, a few different adventures, and the return where a female coroner puts on the helmet and it turns her into the Sheeker. (laughs) (laughs) It was wonderful to get... Two back-to-back monthly issues again. I loved the Mako-centric blood-soaking issue and thoroughly enjoyed the Paul Dragon origin issue. Even though a reverse Jaws movie poster variant cover for issue 263 where Mako is the swimmer and Amy Dragon is the largemouth monster rising from the depths would have been delicious eye candy. On the subject of covers, I have a interesting conversation shape. Interesting conversation suggestion for you. I've recently been on a connecting comic book cover kick, and that got me thinking. Does Savage Dragon have any connecting cover storylines? After some research, I found out Savage Dragon 17, the dragon cover, and the Rapture She dragon cover. That's the one for you listeners, I guess, the lightning going back and forth. Looks like a connecting cover, but it doesn't. Issue 15 has more of a wraparound cover and would count and would you count the Image United each issue connecting covers as a Savage Dragon connecting cover? I'm bringing this up because what issues, story arc, and number of issues would you connect together and what would be your epic tale? My first thought would be some kind of Emperor Dragon event where it is Dragon fighting a different character on the cover of each issue. Uh, 163 with Thor, 164 Vanguard, 165 Super Patriot, 166 Mr. Glum, 167 Malcolm and Angel, and so on and so on. 
Basically, Dragon and previous mentioned characters are fighting on the cover of each issue while the landscape and backgrounds match like a progression. However, that might be too complicated for the great Eric Larson, so my backup would be issue 140 and 141 where Dragon and other heroes are fighting Solar Man with all the heroes on the left side, issue 140, and the right side, 141, is just Solar Man charging towards our heroes. Hey, if Jim can pick multiple characters for the current interesting conversation, therefore ruining other people's answers, then I can too. Thank you, as always, for this podcast. Keep creating, and I'll keep listening. Um, yeah, but guys I, I, like I didn't. That idea. I didn't pick a bunch of characters simultaneously. Kind of defeats the purpose <laughs> of a spotlight when everyone's there. Um, I I think those kind of covers don't lend well to like making an interesting cover because you you're only seeing like half the picture but i'm not sure i would go for that but maybe i don't know what do you guys think i don't think i think the closest thing we did was uh dragon number 30 and 31 was it where the last page and the first page connected yeah oh, the inside yeah, Such yeah. A cool the interiors thing. yeah but as far as covers no i don't think he's ever done I don't think like, he's ever done it at Marvel either, has he? No, I don't think he's done connecting covers. No. no. I mean, you got Jim Lee's X-Men number one kind of did that. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Um, Savage Dragon, um, uh, we just did it on our like, retro. One of the the one with uh, the one with Dragon jumping through fire. And then there's the uh, there's the variant cover with She-Dragon and um, Rapture jumping. Number 17. Yeah, there's those two covers. I always thought they... Were connector covers, but they actually don't connect at all. No, no, that's what that's what he says in his letter. Yeah, yeah they don't. Yeah. They're kind of like a little off. They look yeah. like they do, but they're off. They're they're just kind of mirror images of each other with slightly different backgrounds. Yeah. I wonder if this comes up because, yeah, you know, I said the X Men that that Jim Lee did didn't Spawn just cover copy that? Didn't yeah, I'm sure. And, I'm sure and it was like not I don't really know, well but done. Probably yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that that x-men number one cover it's very weird where they're like all fighting like facing magneto but the magneto's facing the reader that's true yeah, he is reading yeah it's tough to get a good composition with those connecting covers yeah as standalones and even when they connect they just they look awkward as hell well the, the real challenge is because of how comics are cut they never actually line up i can attest to this we did uh rich and i we did connecting covers on gods of vitality and not only did they not quite match up, but issue three was printed like darker than the other ones. Oh, so when you put them next together, the number three definitely stands out. But that was like the variant covers, right? Where each yeah, character those were, uh, those were variants. One of my one of my favorite comic maxi series of all times is uh, Earth X, which was a Marvel comic from the early two thousands, and its gimmick had it had fourteen issues that all butted up against each other to make a giant poster, and it it never lined up. No. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Oh, yeah, it's tough, and I don't plan on ever doing a connecting cover again. And and, and I don't suggest Eric do it either. It's no, no. fun. I, I, You're going to get pissed off. And... I would suggest a four-way gatefold before I ever suggest a, a connecting cover. I think the well, only... only Vanguard? Yeah, that was the only one Vanguard. Yeah. Had that. Wait, Which, Vanguard had again, a folding cover? Yeah. One, oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, they're forgetful. I don't know. It's like, what's the point? 
Like you can't see it when you're looking at the book. You have to unfold. I don't know. Just I don't. I don't really and, go for it. And Vanguard One too. When you unfolded it, like I don't remember what you were getting that was so awesome that it needed. Three it wasn't. Because it was like a ship. It, was it that or was it Supreme? Was there or something? Yeah, it was mostly space and stars. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't any like anything rememberable. Not worth memorable, it. I should say. Rememberable. Rememberable. All right, let's uh let's move on. We got two more. All right. So Ryan Alexander Tanner uh Ryan Alexander Tanner writes, Hey fellas, love the show. I always look forward to hearing your thoughts on the latest issue after it comes out. I sure wouldn't mind if you found a way to crank out those retro podcasts too. I'd listen to as many episodes as you could produce while I'm working in my studio. Anywho, I always think about uh, re- uh, replying to the interesting conversation topic, so I'm finally getting it together to do so. I love the Paul Dragon issue, and it's fun to think about who else could work well with the Spotlight issue. Obviously, these kinds of issues would slow things down for a series that already has trouble keeping up with its huge cast in real-time approach, but they're a good way to fill in gaps on characters who didn't get enough attention along the way. I've always loved the character of Ricochet. Such a great design, and I always like characters with bounce powers for some reason. An issue that filled in her early years, uh, quote, uh, uh, we could finally see all the stuff that went down with the Inhabitor uh, and gave us uh, more details about our life with Barbaric and company that, we could, that we've only seen peripheral, peripherally uh, throughout the series. I'm sure it'll never happen. I don't know if there's another person on the planet that would pick Ricochet for an issue like this, but I, would, I like the idea. There's a ton of other characters that I'd enjoyed a similar approach to. Uh, it would be interesting to learn about Rex Dexter's past and see what it, what he was up to when he wasn't working with Dragon. Powerhouse Year One would be really cool, too. Really, there are a lot of characters that we've learned some background about but never got to see it happen. Uh, I'd like to s- learn more about Dung and his weird poo children, for example. <laughs> Dung Family Tree, sign me up. Uh, thanks again for a great podcast. P.S. Uh, I want to see the John Day backstory issue. How did he show up in the background so many times in so many circumstances? How has living in the background of Dragon's many adventures been for him? I want to know. That's two people who wanted John Day. I think John Day would be a good choice for uh, like a Marvel's Kingdom Come story as well. (laughs) I don't know. Would that take the mystique out of John Day? Of course it would. So Frank Jr., John Day, and uh, Kill Cat team up. Right. This guy, I, I think the one of the problems with doing stories that are like um, flashbacks is now with all the merging of all these worlds, right? It's so confusing about which reality this flashback takes place in, and it doesn't even matter. You could tell the flashbacks for Ricochet from three different dimensions or whatever. Yeah, and they could be completely different stories. I, I think that kind of stuff gets too confusing. I yeah don't agree, but I also understand. Okay. Um, I I think that stuff can be made to make be made make sense, especially if you just focus on one of the versions. Like in this case, it would probably be the Savage World version since she's the relevant one. Right. Um. I don't know. I think Ricochet is an interesting choice, and I also kind of like bouncing characters. So, yeah, and I think seeing like her and Jerry the Inhabitor, it's an interesting story, but it's like which one is it? You know? 
Yeah. Is this is this the image version? Is this the Savage World version? And well, their they, their history would remain the same pretty much up until Savage Dragon number one, and then you just got to deal with whichever. If you're going to Australia or you're going to Freak Force, right? I guess you're right. But uh, uh, any other character that would have changes after that, I guess, would, would be confusing. And that maybe that's just me because I'm a dummy and I can't seem to make sense of all these different dimensions. I see. So I have a hard enough time following it now. With one, yeah. with one it, main story, yeah. It is difficult. I think the the Paul Dragon issue was great because that was stuff that you know, we haven't seen and we don't and maybe it's because, we all knew about. Maybe yeah. it's because when I started reading comics I gravitated towards Age of Apocalypse and what if issues. That stuff never yeah. bothers me. Yeah, you're a what if guy, that's right. I do like that. I, I do think Eric solved the problem pretty well with the merging of multiple Earths th- to make it so everyone has like the memory. So even if there is a screw up or something, it's like, oh yeah, he just remembers. Yeah, it's a good fix for having different dimensions, but it's a it's real hard to keep track of it sometimes. It is, and especially like it's crazy because it's like. You know, for most of us, like our favorite book, and we still have difficulty. So, like, what if it's someone's book on the, you know, just in a pile of other books? It's like, it's tough. Yeah, for a casual reader, must be must be hell. All right, one more letter. All right, we got one more. Close Close it out. Me, Tony M. Tony M. Last but not least. Okay. Uh, Yo, bros, I already don't like where this is starting. (laughs) Here's my at at work on the fly reply. Okay, all right. Give me the Paul Dragon Universe Mako. Everybody loves original Mako. Not so much the serial killer Mako in this current Savage Dragon. His last appearance was his best. With the latter having shark shark exploded. Last issue, I think Savage Dragon fans need a dose of shark fin in the book. My memory is a bit hazy regarding original Mako. Is he dead? But I seem to recall that Mako in the graphic fantasy universe was an ally of Paul Dragon's. It would definitely be cool to have a one-shot flesh out. Uh, I just lost my place. One-shot flesh out some of Paul Dragon's history. Some of Paul, thank you. Some of Paul Dragon's history via a story focused on Mako. Who was he? How did his reality diverge from ours, where he was a lead henchman of Overlord and went on to be one of Dragon's longest-serving antagonists? Lots of potential with Mako as a hero in the book. My initial pick for the hypothetical one-shot was Samurai, but I think you guys mentioned her during your discussion of the topic last episode. And my other pick, Dave the Robot. Nice. (laughs) Way back from Savage Dragon 76, if I can remember correctly. It was not 76. It was yeah. It was like 77 or 78. Yeah, something like that. If I remember correctly. Uh, Just might be a bit too obscure to feature in a legitimate one-shot. Anyway, dudes, great work as usual. Last episode, 125's interview with Eric was epic. And a couple of episodes ago, I liked the ska-punk grunge bander. (laughs) All the bands you mentioned suck. LMAO. (laughs) smiley face crying smiley face but i'll throw my great rock band pick in for good measure the strokes baby peace tony m why don't you stroke 
right on out of my face, Tony. <laughs> uh, yeah. Strokes. I don't even yeah. know what the strokes are. I, I know I recognize that shirt, but I don't know what any of their songs are. Uh, but that's a good point. Yeah, the, the, the Mako that Paul knew was very different. And I'm surprised that we didn't get more of that in the Paul issue. But it was uh, so bogged down uh, with other stuff that Eric had to get through. That I'm sure he just didn't have time for it. We we got a little taste of Hero Mako in the Savage World. Like, remember he was traveling in Dimension X with the dra- with Dragon and stuff. It was Mako at his best. Right. And, uh, I I wish it never ended. <laughs> Mako should have been a hero. There I said it. He was better as a hero. I was definitely a champion of Dave the Robot back in the day, and I just gave up. It's been too long now. You always talk about Dave the Robot. He was in one panel, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> and didn't even talk. No. He's just like holding up a bunch of shit or something. Thanks, Dave. I think he looked cool as hell, though. And his yeah, name I'm was sure Dave. I would love to draw him again. <laughs> From many different angles. Come on, man. You can't give a robot like that the name Dave and not be memorable you think if his name was like mechanicoid gmzx570 20 years later nope dave the seeker it's like naming your dog robert is that not something we have a cat named greg (laughs) nice (laughs) i'm i'm very pro naming your animals just regular names well craig you have uh, a responsibility now to respond to Tony about his ska punk grunge banter. He says uh, all the bands you mentioned sucked. I don't even remember what I mentioned, but I sure. Think, I think you gotta fight this guy. Nothing sucks as bad as Sublime. I. <laughs> I so, uh, are you a fan of Sublime, Mark? No. Right. No, I've never liked them. Glad you said that. Um. Yeah, I don't remember what bands I mentioned, but, you know, Strokes suck too. Uh, so I guess that leads us to our interesting conversation, which I feel like we've been reading letters for an hour now, so yeah. I apologize. It has um, been 58 minutes. Yeah, it's <laughs> been an hour. Let's get into this. Uh, we're going to take a suggestion from Juan. Thanks, Juan. So if Malcolm or any of his kids started a pop punk ska band, what would the band? What would be the band name? Who wants to take a crack at this first? I mean, I've already got one. Well, Mark, Mark said I, he has one, so let's let him I've go first. One. He's the guest. It's all riding on you. The two toed two tones. Two toed two tones. Nice. That's good. That is good. I bet you guys are feeling real silly making me go first. All right, go ahead. Uh, Jim, what do you got? All right, off the top of my head, the Green Machines. I think Two Toe Two Tones wins that one. What do you the got? Green Machines. Okay, you have to. Uh, I'm gonna go with Real Big Fins. Oh God. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right, I thought I had it. <laughs> I don't know that that one's a little bit too derivative in my opinion. Well, uh, 
but we'll say the winner then is the two toed two tones. Savage, savage boss tones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. I would love to hear somebody try to beat real big fins or two toed two tones. Let's hear what you got. You can write us at savagefincast at gmail.com or if you don't like this silly interesting conversation, offer up your own. They got just the horns us. wrong, I think would be another one. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, now we've just wasted another good answer from someone else. Sorry. Maybe someone else would have came up with that. I'm Jim this episode. I get to have a million <laughs> different answers. So, fellas... I think you guys know what time it is. Yeah, it's been a great show. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to talk to you guys next time. Uh, feels like it. There is, in fact, a comic book at the end of this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hey, what do you know? Yeah, there it is. As Raven, Raven would say, it's comic book time. Yeah, it's <laughs> comic book time, fellas, so let's talk about the comic book that uh, we want to talk about that is a quote from Raven Perez. <laughs> so 265. We talked right. about this cover long ago uh, because it was kind of striking as <laughs> you were. Um, I was always fascinated by the glow emanating from Malcolm's crotch, which uh, unfortunately there's no story explanation for that. Uh, Christmas sweater is nice. Very festive. I would, I'll would. i just imagine that he got hit so hard that his lightning powers, he lost control, and it shot out his dick. That's <laughs> best, uh, best guess I've heard yet. I'm sure that's what Raven would have suggested. So, I... How about this Gary Frank variant cover, though? I uh, like it. It's a good job, I think. Um, yeah. I do have it. I don't know where it went. I've got it somewhere. But, yeah, I thought it was really good. Just... Uh... A lot of gore. A lot of gore coming out of that toilet. <laughs> yeah, I got he... mine by accident. I went to the shop to go pick it up, and they're like, is this cover okay? It was a Gary Frank one. I said, I'd, I'd rarely get both. So I ended up getting both, but uh, otherwise I wouldn't have had this cover. But yeah, it's very gory. I like that we're getting clearly Malcolm and Maxine. Yeah. Doing Malcolm and Maxine things. Looks yeah. Like somebody I... reads the book. I like it because, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Gary knows Malcolm has two toes. Mm-hmm. He's got decent dragon proportions. Right. Finn looks good. Those heads are a little small. Good. It's oh, not just some lazy pinup. Does look like he drew the toilet paper being <gasps> put up. You're right. Oh, no. So I'm going to throw this away. <laughs> you know, for a long time, I didn't really care which way the paper towel paper roll went. But, uh, you know, as I've become an adult, I've learned there's a correct way. (laughs) Bangs, not mullets. (laughs) Now this is really good. I like the, the line work on this. I like the textures. This looks like it was colored by Nikos as well. Yeah. Most likely. It looks like his style. And this is, probably a return favor for the cover that Eric did on uh, the Geiger series by Jeff Jones and Gary Frank. Mm. But it's cool. I like it. That's really good. It's a really good Malcolm face, too. So we open on tragedy. 
Yes. Samurai strikes. Yeah. Insect is dead. I think that's canonical. Croaked. Apparently that's a quote. Yeah. Apparently that's from something. It's like from a, from a uh, where um, it's on page two, but where uh, Jackson oh, she's been croaked. Yeah, Jackson and the other kid are saying uh, she's been she doesn't look good. She's been croaked. That's a quote from like a Golden Age comic. Uh, somebody posted okay. it somewhere. I can't name it off the top of my head, but I've seen that. That is a, Jesus. That is a that is a very obscure reference. Is it like nineteen uh, twenties gangster talk? Yeah, I think, I, I'm pretty sure that's it. She's been croaked. See. Yeah, this issue starts off. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty disappointed with how this Jackson story got resolved. Like, oh, he's missing. Oh, wait, no, he's just on the far end of the beach, and he found Insect's body. He's I found- think I wouldn't have cared, but I, it was. I think it was Jim that suggested that maybe there was something nefarious going on where he was getting lured away. Right. And mm. I fell in love with that theory. But he just, he just, they walked, they walked away. They're just, no, they're just, they're having their standby me adventure. Yeah. And it's, it's also weird because the book is in real time and I know there's always some fudging with the timeline, but has it been two months that he's been missing? No, this is taking no. place simultaneously. This happened at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. The book does jump like two months. There's a time does skip it? in the middle. In of the, the middle of it. When the snow I missed comes. the time stamp. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, when, when when North Force comes back and the snow starts, uh, there's a significant amount of time. When it was snowing and three pages <laughs> earlier, they're at the fucking yeah, they're at the beach. What a dumbass! <laughs> My God, what an idiot! So we got insects body. So I guess uh, samurai. Just as a recap, samurai slashed like her throat with her like I don't know if it was her claws or whatever. I think she just she just ninja struck her with her hand. Yeah, yeah. so with her I guess. Yeah. She tipped off Paul and Mako about the VC's whereabouts. And then Samurai, when we last saw Samurai, she was like getting chased by the VC goons because Samurai was leaving like the fight. And then she caught up with the insect and killed her for ratting them out or whatever. And so we don't know where Samurai is, right? At this point. Uh, no, I guess not. We just know she's on the run from the vicious circle as well. And she escaped out with some other, um, I don't remember who survived. Well, she escaped out, but then they were all chasing her, like, because she like, was running away from the battle. Right. Oh, she wow. was trying to abandon them. And then they decided, you know what? This girl may not have her best interest in mind. <laughs> so did you guys think that insect was alive when you saw this page? No. No. Not at all. I, I thought I knew she was dead as soon as Samurai struck her. To be completely honest, yeah. I, I think thought, yeah, opening the page, I think, pretty much confirmed it for me that she was done. That's how Larson do. But we still have we ever seen her powers? Does she like climb walls or something? I don't know. I, I, I someone in one of the letters mentioned that she talks to insects. I don't know if that's ever been. Thought. I think that was a joke. <laughs> I think that was a joke. <laughs> now she's got a you, cool design and she's bug themed. I'm wondering if she's got some kind of healing power or something. I mean, maybe if they like found this and like it was a, a molt and like it was empty, you could think that, but I don't know. Inside yeah. that body is just a bunch of tiny insects. Although if she's if they're leaving Canada, then she's probably dead. 
right? There's I mean, no this reason. whole issue is just like wiping the board. I mean, Jackson does something very irresponsible and tries to put his blood in her, and it does nothing. Right. So if she was alive at all, there would have been a reaction. That panel is a real close-up on that kid's eyeball. <laughs> yeah, you can see the pupil <laughs> protruding. <laughs> what do you guys think of, like, um, now that we know Eric is, you know, doing some digital art, like these real crisp borders? I guess these, they like, are. panel oh, borders are oh, so, like... Oh, you're right. They're very sharp. Yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't notice. Those Those are the telltale sign of, uh, of um, Clip Studio. In my experience, that's what their borders look like. Well, that was one of the things that I was noticing when during the Mako issue, going back to see which pages were digital and which ones were done traditionally, is the panel borders always gave it away. It's by how sharp they are. They're very sharp. Um, I I have a little bit of experience with Clip Studio and similar. Mm -hmm. And one thing I do is I find a brush that has like a, a... uh, kind of a randomized grain, and I use that for panel borders, so it doesn't look this crisp. Whereas I do hand-drawn panels, and then when I scan them in, I try to clean them up so they look sharper. It takes all kind. It's a learning experience. Yeah, but uh, I, I got to call out Nikos here. His coloring is looking real good. Oh, yeah. Like he just keeps getting better. When he first showed up on the book, I could not stand his colors, but lately yeah. it's just, he's just knocking it out of the park. You, you probably agree with me. It was all too a bit garish and shiny. Yeah, yellow skies and yeah, yeah, it was a little a little aggressive. But yes, he is. It was really aggressive significantly. I, lo- I remember seeing the the issue where like uh, it was Adam Archer, the Godland, and I loved that issue. But now when I look back at like the older stuff, it is real loud. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, he went through a few different iterations and different things where he was, him and Eric were testing styles out and flatting things and stuff. And I think they really kind of, I, I think whatever he's been doing now, since what, 250 maybe? I don't know. Was it, yeah, when he started doing there. this around 250? I, I just think this is just the best. It's been. Yeah, he's doing real, real good work. Loving it. That just the coloring on Jackson's body there on page two, the third panel, just the shading and just the way he maps out those shapes, it look it looks great. Yeah, loving it. Gotta agree. What do you think about this page where like <laughs> dragon? You know, it's it's just like this discussion about uh. Well, I guess it's Paul, not Dragon, but right. I don't know. Oh, yeah, she's giving him a hard time. Yeah, it's, it seems like such an unnecessary page, but I don't know. Maybe it's some character development. Maybe well, there's it, some trouble it, in paradise. It's to kind of flesh out the, the, the awkward elephant in the room about their relationship, especially if they're getting married in the near future. Or wait, no, they are married. Sorry, they are married. Right. <laughs> so, so listen, the Alex and, and Paul discussion page. Right. Like, was blanking on Alex's name. But then does this suggest that the last issue was him telling her his backstory? I think after so. After they got married? 
Good point on that. Since we're but, married, uh, let me tell you. Right? I'll tell you the story about my stripper wife. Yeah. Or no, my, my, my alter ego stripper wife and my other wife. And my guru. <laughs> but that's, it's weird because he's got to have all the dragon's um, memories from all the different multiple worlds. Right. So he's got to have memories of a bunch of Emperor Kerr's as well, right? Uh yes and no. I think that's a gonna... little, I think that's a little well, well the thing is that there would be universes with other emperor curs in them where, who presumably right. he would get the memories of. He wouldn't necessarily have the memories of the emperor cur that existed in this timeline. Uh because that was a separate guy who died. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. Say, I have no idea. Um but what seems to have happened here is that because Paul was kind of like, remember, remember the end of the last issue, Paul goes into Dimension X because he's, he's, he basically can't get over the loss of his wife. Right. Uh, presumably he went out to find a, a, a alternative version of her or something. Um, but what happened was he came to this universe and then the merging happened and he got memories from Dragon. And so Alex, his his new memories of Alex have kind of awoken something within him romantically. Basically, he feels like he knows her. And so she is the one he's been looking for, I guess, is the takeaway. She certainly doesn't see it that way. I guess. Oh, I wouldn't either. This is all fucked up. <laughs> well, I think it's because he went out to look for uh, Sue. Sue. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. He went looking for Sue. He told her that she's looking for Sue, and she's like, huh, what? Yeah. I, I, I like, guess she's settled. I like the panel uh, kind of looking upward at Dragon, where you can see his little, the real shape of his little croissant fin. You get the more of the 3D kind of look. That angle gives it a real graphic fantasy Megaton era Paul Dragon look, too. Yeah. Like the, the short head and the <laughs> it always looks weird from the side like I feel like he doesn't have it down right or something always. I don't know we've been over it a thousand times I one guess. of these days you'll teach Eric how to draw his character yeah right it just looks weird unless it only looks good to me from certain angles yeah it sucks <laughs> I don't know I think I guess I'm glad he changed it so weird i love the little fin i love how it's inconsistent i've i um i love paul dragon now i mean, at first i was unsure but he's i don't know i like it i always got a different look cool dude he just needs to get that d belt buckle back there you go so we know it's him so billy so we got uh, so it's billy billy's here yeah. now he is part of the he is Join the family. Dude, I had to go back when I was reading this issue and be like, how did we get Billy? <laughs> Speaking of like tracking continuity and things like that. I forgot. Yeah, it, was, it was Dark Dragon and Battle Axe had a kid, Barry. Mm-hmm. And then ba- Allison and Barry had a kid. And Al- Allison Al- 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 robbed the cradle. Yes. And, and their time. Yeah, that still fucks with my brain. Like Barry's age <laughs> before Allison killed him. 
such a weird thing. But anyway, now we got Billy. Yeah, it is. I, it is I'm funny. Trying that to remember what Barry did that was of any significance in the book. Banged I've Allison. completely forgotten about Barry. He didn't do much. Okay, I remember he was young. I feel bad about Barry because again, he's a character that could have stuff could have happened with him. More stuff because at the time he was becoming slightly more sympathetic. Um, and against Dart, and then of course Dart killed him immediately, which, as she's wont to do. Well, Eric has a chance to right that wrong now with Billy. You're right, you're right. We got, got one a, more chance. Yeah. Let's see how it plays out. Bloodline's got a lot of potential. Let's try again. You go guys, ahead. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do you notice like in this issue, like? Paul Dragon's faces look like they're photo referenced. Is that say what you're going to say? Same thing. Yeah. Every like every shot of Paul looks like it was referenced from photo. And I wonder if he was using the same man's face to try and give him a distinct <laughs> look. Yeah. So he doesn't look so much exactly like the other dragon that we know. Because it so seems I, like Malcolm's not really getting. No, just Paul. Photo reference, but Paul, like consistently, every panel. There's... So I get what you're saying. His face does look a little off, and it does look a bit referenced in the fourth panel of the hospital scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like going back to the scene with close up on Alex, that's just Dragon's face. It's always been Dragon's face. That's a, yeah, that one That one is good. He's got the Bambi eyes and the yeah, first lips. That, that looks like Dragon, but moving forward, you'll see. I'll point it out. There's a lot. That come and they're up. not drawn that, badly. It's just it doesn't look like Eric's. Right, work. right. Yep, agreed. So strange. So, as the so, kids get older, I guess is Amy gonna lose that like the way she talks, and is she kind of, or is she just still call her dad, Baba, whatever? And now Maddie's gonna be the one with the. The baby Some kids just say that stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, I know my, my niece and nephew have pet names for grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up calling all my grandparents grandma and grandpa. Right. They, they got different names, so that's what they use. Yeah. I, I, mine Either have always Papa been grandma and grandpa. Mama. And then I meet people that are like, oh, yeah, that's my, that's my Mima. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, Mima oh, yeah, is an odd one. That's Bubba. Like, what? You mean Pop, Pop, and Mom, Mom. I didn't grow up with Pop, Pop, and Mom, Mom, but everyone in Philly has a Pop, Pop, and Mom, Mom. Yeah. Grandmother and grandfather we had. And you were not to look them in the eye. And I had six of them. <laughs> we all called them the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so she might just, that might just last forever. Who knows? And right into adulthood. So I what do you guys... The, what what the, do you love? The panel of the kids jumping on the bed. Oh, yeah. That real skinny panel where they're flying. That re- regular regular kid is lucky he didn't get torn in half, though. But uh, <laughs> right. you know, it's, always, it's always dangerous when you're hanging out with superhumans like that. Well, that's why he's got Jackson there to protect him, just in yeah. case. So that's a thing. What are we what are we thinking here? I didn't think much about it until someone else said something. Oh, like you know, it could be he's gay or whatever. But I think in um the comicbook.com interviews that Russ Burlingame does with Eric, Eric was like, nah, it's just Jackson kinda 
just protecting kids. him or something. Yeah, just okay. kids being kids. Because I'm imagining yeah. Parker's probably a bit younger than Jackson. Yeah. And older kids, even like when they're just like a little bit older, they tend to be more protective of, of younger kids, at least what I've seen. So this seems normal to me. Yeah, I don't even think kids think that way. So yeah. typically not. I wouldn't say all don't, but. He knows he knows he's strong and he's trying to protect his kid. Good thing, too, because, yeah, like, like Jim said, they would have got ripped apart. Jumping on that bed. Are you guys fans of these, like, um, kind of throwback panels to, like, Amazing Spider-Man, like the blue and red outlines and orange and stuff like that? I, I haven't read enough of that to recognize it. I like them. Yeah. I think they're good. I'm pretty happy that he's kind of gone back to these. I know we've talked about it in the past, but for such a long period, he went back to he went to traditional panels, and now to get more of these weird, skinny, long, yeah, panels, these Todd McFarlane kind of things, and yeah, it just it brings some energy. Mm-hmm. This again, these panels, like these photos, like the Alex and and Dragon panels. Oh yeah, yeah, I can sort of see it in the close-up of Alex here that she's reading reference some. Possibly. In that, that do, one panel. Do with you like dragon. That <laughs> I gotta say, if you if you use your imagination to extrapolate Dragon's face in that panel, that's a goofy looking grin. Then <laughs> uh. we get North Forest coming back. They, they aren't all slaughtered on an alien planet. I can't believe it. Do you think we're ever going to see the... It all worked out. The story Day, of them versus the stone men? Probably not, no. Well, we got a little bit of their battle, right? Did we? Yeah, in 259. Remember Tootsie got, took that little, like, gun device? Right, right, right. Yeah, that was on Earth. So, yeah, we did get that little initial battle. And then they right. went to their planet. Yeah. I still uh, do not. I mean, I like the character designs, but I absolutely hate that he used sports names for them. This is a weird splash, too. I'm, when I first looked at this, I couldn't tell what I was looking at exactly. Oh, you know, that was a double-decker bus? Because I didn't, yeah, I didn't immediately recognize it as a double-decker bus, yeah. I was like, is the, the road wet? Oh, yeah. I can sort of see how you might see it as a reflection on the road, on a wet road. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I'm just not used to seeing double decker buses. Yeah, we get a lot of those that come around in Philly in the summer for tourists, so I noticed that right away. Yeah, we don't have those here at all. Historic Erie, Pennsylvania. Drop you off at the convention center, and you can Mm -hmm. go on a pirate boat ride. We've got pirate boat rides. Jim Gaffigan's been on it. And so has uh, Kurt Angle. <laughs> Kurt Angle. Yeah. The wrestler. Yes, I know. The Olympian. Yeah, yeah gold medal with it's... a broken neck. That's <laughs> very true. Do you, uh, do you uh, is so is Captain Tootsie part of North Force now, or he just he's just hanging out with him? He's a he's a so close associate. Yeah. Well, I think he went to the planet with them, right? Yeah, he was a ride. They're back. 
Who's this behind the uh, the grizzly? Uh, there is a person hiding back there. You're right. There's someone hiding back there. Yeah. Who's huh. I don't know. Yeah. No uh, idea. It's their agent. I just yeah. noticed that person right now. That is really random, right? Yeah. Like, why would you bother drawing someone back there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. No idea. Because they all More have secret. To come, I guess. They all have secret identities, so they wouldn't have their families with them. And that was the whole gag: is that they all got secret identities. Uh maybe it's the. But are uh, both the, of their families dead? The, yeah, I think that was also the joke, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think. Like, I you remember know what? Their origins are like, oh yeah, my whole family was slaughtered. <laughs> it could be one of the to- uh, to- Tootsie's kids, whatever they're called. Like yeah. fatty or yeah, well, they're a long-haired one. I don't little shits, little shitso. Yeah, shitso. Dweebo. Son of a bitch was another one. All, all destined for a garbage disposal. Little right. poopy. No, they'd be... No, I guess they wouldn't be named after sports teams, but... <laughs> then we got clean and house with the vicious circle here. Look, North Force is no joke. He can, They can totally take out these jobbers. Yeah. yeah. SOS could never do it, but North Force, give him a day. Yeah. To be fair, they're pretty unorganized. And old now, yeah. We still we still know that undermines alive, right? Yeah, that guy survived everything. So as a download, I guess, right? Download. See the red one download. Who's the one above download? I don't have enough information. Fountainhead. Oh, it is Fountainhead. lasers I out of his the eyes. Water coming out of his eyeball. Yeah, that is him. That's a laser. Come on. See, everyone can, everyone laser, makes the yeah. same mistake. <laughs> And Car- Carmela Toad, which that was an all-time great. That, that first appearance that she was in, it was like you never saw her face. And he right. named her Carmela Toad. <laughs> when you laid it out and revealed to everyone who the hell Carmela Toad was on the <laughs> podcast, that was like one of the all-time holy shit moments, I think, of the show. <laughs> I'm sure everyone was mesmerized. and amazed. I was. <laughs> Such like, a weird thing. Yeah. Like, why would you hold that back? <laughs> Just her toad head, too. The rest of her body is totally fucking normal. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're cleaning house. We're getting rid of pieces off the board here, this issue. Vicious Circle is, I guess, done. Yep. North Force back. Um, Everyone's safe. Jackson's back with the with the family. Uh, you know. So, Mario, you missed it on the splash of North Force. Is a few months later, North Force made their triumphant return. I see that now. Yeah. So I'm realizing the narration. And then boxes, it says in the following months, so it's even more, right? Yeah, it's several months further past that. I'm noticing now that the uh, narration captions are all from Malcolm's point of view, even the ones all the way back in the first uh, page. They're consistently him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, they're all that same blue. Yeah. Because he, he speaks in the first person when it comes to this win- first winter scene where it says, as the winter set in, I began to question my usefulness. Which uh, tells us it's been Malcolm talking the whole time. This uh, forest hike scene in the in the snow is where 
Paul Dragon just turns into a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> definitely kind of see it. I got to say, I understand why people use the photo backgrounds for things like these trees, but it's so noticeable. It's so clearly a, uh, it's, it's clearly a filter. Yeah, it don't bother me that much. I'm not bothered by the trees so much as Paul's face. <laughs> it's so weird and distracting. It's like the it line really weights is. are so different from Malcolm, who's standing right next to him. He's got that, that John Wayne sort of like grimace. <laughs> he's, he's a pilgrim. <laughs> John Wayne like- was a Nazi. Well, towards the end of this book, I think he went back to drawing things uh, on the boards. So there's less of that weird uh, digital swiping of faces. Yeah, just for some reason. I don't know why he's going with Paul's uh, face like that. It kind of takes me out a little bit (laughs) whenever I see it. I suspect it's because he had to draw like the the head so often it may have just saved time to to, yeah. to, to block out the shapes and the and the positioning. I don't know. I but he, feel but like he, Eric's drawn enough heads that he should be able to just bang it out. It seems like it would take more time to look up pictures yeah. of faces. And and Malcolm's got as many heads and they're not referenced. Yeah. You don't wouldn't think so. Based on I mean it's it's a it's fun to play with new techniques and stuff. So yeah. it's like I get it. I just I'm ready to see some Larson faces again. It's so bizarre. And why just Paul? Right. Maybe, I don't know. It is it is kind of just Paul and I don't know. Maybe it's like a maybe it's a joke. I don't know. Well, I guess I don't get the joke. Well, what do you think about the splash scene here with uh, good old Billy? God damn it. Yeah. God damn it, Eric. <laughs> that was a real shame. I, I get it. I mean, I get it because it's, it's shocking. Yeah. And Billy's kind of a loose end. And But wouldn't it have just been cool to have Alex and Paul just raise this kid? Raise a little dragon boy? Yeah. yeah. Or at least give us a little bit more time to like for the impact of his well, death. If he well, is indeed dead. I think it really almost, hit. it almost sucks more that it's implied that he's been living with these guys for months now. Right. 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 And so they're definitely going to be attached to him. So having him to be die so suddenly, I mean, the, the family's going to be devastated about this. Or you'd think they would be. And they are. It's just, yeah, of course. it just, it it just seems like it's not. Eric kills people all the time, and right. sometimes it feels like, eh, but this feels like a waste. I'll be completely honest. Yeah, a lot of times it's this character has run their course. It's time to get rid of them, it, but like, like yeah, Billy was just full of so much potential. Yeah, dude, he can turn into a shark. Well, I guess that's we, why it's such a shocking death. Yeah. And apparently Samurai has a superpower that she doesn't get cold. 
Once again, I mean, I, I'll never understand why going around without your underwear is practical at all, because doesn't it get dirty? I will say I am happy to see her use samurai swords. That's yes. true. I think this is the first time we've seen her use it. Such a weird character, right? Like, yeah. Kind of yeah, came out of nowhere. It up too. He's like, well, I don't know where you got that sword. <laughs> yeah. She's a neat visual, though. Really is, yeah. She definitely is, and I think that's probably why she's kind of stood out in the book and right. and was always like kind of like with the new vicious circle goons, kind of post issue one fifty or something, or one fifteen, was always kind of like hanging around, and then she finally got the spotlight. I love that Eric managed to find. New and interesting ways to show her ass and vagina <laughs> before she gets killed. Yeah, where she gets, uh, where she lands head first in the snow and goes ass overhead. Right. Yeah. So dignified. Yeah. Um, was it that page? Yeah, that page where she falls headfirst in the snow, those jagged panel borders, those ones look like they were done traditionally. Maybe. Versus like two pages prior. Yeah. That, that look really digital. But it's still got those nice crisp corners on those panel borders um, on the last two panels. So I wonder if he's still doing those. He might have done it for consistency. Just consistency, yeah. Maybe. What about these speed lines? They're so thin. Yeah. I think they look cool. Yeah, they don't bother me. Mm. But they definitely look different, and you can tell. Maybe well, these are the kind of speed lines that Eric has been trying to accomplish his entire career. <laughs> Finally perfected. Got it. I think they look neat. I, and I, I started doing my speed lines digitally recently, too, and it's... You save so much time. Well, you just I stick her, you just stick a perspective guide on there and just start drawing lines, right? Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah. Instead of having to find your vanishing point on your page and moving the ruler around, it's it's so quick. I don't blame him at all. And this panel here with Maxine running, it looks like that one may have been referenced too from it looks like a more like a jogging pose. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she's a regular girl. Yeah. Are we uh, post... We live in an era like post Larson boxcars now? I think they're gone, yes. Unfortunately, uh, rip boxcars. No more 1970s cars. Well, I miss them already. I do miss them already. These look like those when Marvel would do those comics, like, goodbye, Alexis. <laughs> You're <laughs> not wrong. You know, definitely some Honda placement there. I'm sure it's nice to draw cars that actually look like cars, but they do look out of place in Savage Dragon. Look like Transformers or something. the The action in this issue is great, though. I I do I do enjoy the Malcolm Samurai fight. It's always uh, Eric always does really well with these things, and just you know the, the panel with. Malcolm 
kicking her in the head and her hair. Like I love the way her hair looks when she's like flying around. And just the the energy of her like flying through the snow with her like you know, instead of the ass up in the air is kind of funny, but yeah, it gives you real sense real of movement. Yeah. Love the way the trees look like in, in that panel where it's not photo referenced, I don't think, in those. That panel is giving me big Sinkevich vibes, just the yeah. way those lines look. They're so yeah. frenetic and, and wild. How is that? It is such a weird thing, though, that this character, like, <laughs> the trademark of this character is just, like, just... No underwear? It's an ass everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah, so I, weird. I didn't realize this. When she swings her sword, she cuts all those trees down. Yeah, that... Um, kind of impressive. The sound effect kind of... I, I, I didn't notice that at first when I read it. Oh, the the shack thing. I think it's shack. Yeah. yeah, that is pretty cool. I like the. I think it's hard to notice because her hair almost looks like a tree. Yeah, like blends in. Yeah. And poor Paul lost his new arm. Oh, he's always losing that thing. I like how he's. I like how he's carrying it uh, as they run to the cars. <laughs> he's gonna put it back on. Just do a scene like Monty Python where they just she just keeps lopping off his limbs. Right. <laughs> the the one panel. Well, first, I like the page the bottom panel, like uh the one where with the rock on it where she's kicking Malcolm, the yeah. inks on Malcolm's face and his mm-hmm. like his lips. It's so cool. And yeah, uh, this one looks like it was drawn traditionally. Yeah, I just I love the chunky inks. Yeah, which is crazy because what when, when he said that he was started doing stuff digitally, I was blown away. Right, because for someone as like he doesn't understand technology a lot, that man, <laughs> you know, he's basically like a caveman, but like he picked it up real quick to the point where he had so many people fooled. Yeah. yeah like if you Look at this page. It doesn't look anything different than a yeah, typical if had, page. If he hadn't said anything, I never would have known. No, I might've picked, I might've, I, I might've picked up on the crisp panel borders in this issue, but probably not. I picked up on the crisp panel borders. I picked up on some of the, uh, speed lines and stuff. I'm like, those are definitely digital, but I just, I thought everything else was drawn on the board, but, he was able to replicate his his normal ink line pretty pretty close digitally, and that's that's crazy. But yeah, when you see the stuff that's drawn um, on the boards here, the, the, those chunky brush strokes here, yeah, we just, we just it. blobs it on, yeah, 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 like that one that's that got the six panels of them just going back and forth with those. Jagged panel borders. Yeah. That whole page, besides the speed lines, looks like it was drawn on Bristol. Yeah. Agreed. And he can go back and forth between like the chunky and the thin, and it looks natural. Yeah. It's crazy. So, if you died by getting your mask punched off, would you have more than one strap on your mask? <laughs> so, what do, you, what do you think her deal is? 
Because not only did, did she just drop dead the moment her mask came off, her hair went white from black to white. So she, like, hyper-aged as soon as the mask came off. Yeah, you can see her laying down and her hair starting to turn. Like, when she falls to the ground, her hair starts to turn white. So, in that top panel. So was yeah. she the, what, is she the mask? Has she the, been the mask the whole time? Yeah, maybe it's like the way I read it was when she's exposed to like the air that happened. That's why she wore the mask to filter oh, it, something. It, it, it I don't is know. a gas mask. You're right. It does fi- mm-hmm. it is an air filter? Hmm. Just interesting. She, that she just dropped dead. You now she's got one of those Gil Kane vampire noses, or do you think that's just her nose decomposing rapidly? That's her skin just contracting like you rapidly. So? I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she looks mummified. Yeah, it looks like she's probably some, like, ancient... I think that's the gag. Like, she's got a hot body, and she's always trying to, like, show it off or something, but she's, like, 200 years old. Even though Malcolm's disgusted that she looks like she's in her 40s. I bet you find yeah. that very insulting, Craig. Yeah, yeah he was he was uh, very put off by her vaginas. <laughs> but she's, like, every insult that she lands at him, it's like, oh, you infant, adolescent... Well, he does a, it's a bit. She does like insolent child, arrogant infant, uh, egotistical adolescent. And then joke. <laughs> She's 300 fucking years old. Everybody's a child to her, right? <laughs> That's well, how she I must have anyway. some like crazy beef curtains or something because Malcolm keeps commenting on it. He's not a fan. He plucked off that mask and then North Force comes. Yep. We'll take over from here. Yeah, we we did it. <laughs> oh, I have to say this because um I find it funny. So the panel where her mask comes off and she's just like the hair on the body. Yeah. I know so, what you're gonna say. The Calvin face. <laughs> I can only see the Calvin face. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's considered a tangent, but uh I think it's because there's like that one little bit that looks like a nose poking out of it. I don't know. I think it's mostly that that one part just looks like a chin that yeah. gives it that whole face look. And <laughs> it's bizarre. And we, we get the news that Billy's done. Do you guys believe it? Yes, I do, unfortunately. I mean, nobody even tried to give him dragon blood. What were they thinking? <laughs> But how does that work? He's the son of Dark Dragon. Dark Dragon lost his regenerative powers, and, right? And as soon as well, that, that was all my thinking is that okay? So Billy, well, no, no, Barry. No, was, he's the grandson of. Dark he's the grandson of Dark Dragon. But Barry. Oh my god! Okay, listen, we're gonna we're gonna go through it. So get ready. All right, let me get a pen. Hold on. Barry was born of Dark Dragon and Battle Axe when Dark Dragon did not have his regenerative power. So Barry did not have chosen one abilities when he was born. Dark Dragon. What are what are battle what are battle axe's powers? Uh, she's just dimension she's X badass. She, she's just strong. She's an alien. Okay. But so if he lost his powers and he gives birth to a kid, the kid doesn't have the powers. Let me finish the lineage. I'm sorry. Oh, feisty gems coming there out he is. towards There's the end. We so Barry was it. Barry was born a normal Krylin with whatever whatever battle axe was mixed in, which wasn't enough to make him significantly stronger than a normal person. However, Dark Dragon, all he needed was a jab of uh, Dragon's blood to get back to 100%. 
So it makes me wonder if those who are, are born Krylons, if they just need a chosen one injection to become chosen ones. Because I can't think of any circumstances where a Krylon has been injected with chosen one blood and exploded. They seem to all survive naturally. So Billy being half shark and half Krylon, well, I guess it'd be a quarter, but I think he would have survived based on the information that we have. Billy would have survived with a with an injection. Granted, his brain was damaged, so he probably would have had memory loss, just like uh, uh, Dragon it, did. Well, isn't Malcolm have had his head like blown off partially? Yeah, I can't recall if it didn't was... dart like throw a dart and like like it, in, the, in the episode that the issue she died didn't like Malcolm get mangled and like part of his brain explode or something? No, I don't recall. I have to check on that. But he was already a chosen one. It's possible that when that kind of damage happens, he starts healing immediately. Whereas here, there would have been a delay. I don't know. I'm just saying. Earlier in this issue, Jackson did try to bring insect back with his blood. I wonder if that is setting something up, or if that's just someone's always trying to give someone dragon blood in this in every issue of this book. Well, that's kind of what what I was thinking is that Jackson's yeah. already tried it once, and he mm-hmm. was right there. Now, granted, he had just been chastised about it and that he should never do that again. Right. Uh, but considering the circumstances and the fact that Billy was part Krylon, I would have taken the chance, to be completely honest, if I was in that scenario. But clearly they didn't. The real I think question, that's a good point. The real question is, can Paul survive a shot of it, too, and get, get Dragon's powers back? Because he's not, you know, he's not the chosen one either. I don't think we're going to find that out. I think Eric's kind of set his piece with Paul. Yeah, we're done with everything that happened in this issue. Let's move along and get to San Francisco. I think that's Eric's attitude right now. Yeah. Yeah. So how about that Connor Tierney? Who? Isn't isn't he just the best? Friend of the show and uh, Super Freaks contributor and all-around... Swell dude. If I remember correctly, Swell he, Scotsman. If I remember correctly, he posted this on social media a while back. This uh, this uh, crossover between uh, uh, shit, um, I mean, Kid Eastwood and uh, Malcolm. But here we see it in color, I believe, for the first time, and printed in Savage Dragon. So that's got to be radical. Yeah. I thought it was fun. It was great. And I love the way it kind of ended. Like the whole punchline thing was. That's a, that's a great cool. punchline at the end there. The colors, these colors work too. And Connor's what? He's like 15 years old, 12 or something. <laughs> it's, He's probably closer than that to that. Yeah. <laughs> probably could be like my kid. This book is older than him. Yeah, no, a, but he, to have that affinity for like this weird, shitty old coloring, I just yeah. I find it's it's strange for somebody so young. And he does it really. I assume he colored this himself. I don't see another credit. He must have. Yeah. No, like he's he's super talented, and he really like 
even with his super freak story, he just really nailed the feel of Savage Dragon, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people struggle with when they try to do like a backup or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he's just one of those guys that just gets it. Gets the tone and the look. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. He's going places. Yeah, if listeners, if you haven't checked out his Kid Eastwood book, he puts one out and then he collects them in little like manga sized digests, which are cool. Got a couple. I know you enjoy it too, Jim, right? I enjoy it a lot. It's probably one of my favorite comics right now. Wow. Ooh, high praise from Jim, who hates everything. Do I hate everything? I mean, I hate a lot of things. <laughs> but I'm honestly pretty open about the comics I read. I mean, I read Marvel and DC. My my standards are very low. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Kid Eastwood is just as good as Marvel and DC. At least that good. It's at least as good as Marvel and DC. Now, I was when he said he had a backup in this book i was expecting a reprint of the story he did in super freaks oh Oh, really yeah because i know uh eric had mentioned that he was considering maybe running some of those in the main book at some point i think i think he said that before he published it at image yeah i think that was that was was kind of the idea yeah was it yeah that was Mm. but hey some of those stories could use some color right but yeah, this is this is fantastic, and we've got a Ken Albury fan art who apparently and wasn't told it was going to get printed and was very surprised and excited to find out. Right, and a pinup by John Ashton Golden, who also was in Super Freaks. That is correct. This looks like it was drawn in 2016 and colored in two thousand uh, two thousand twenty one. Yeah, so the story on that, I, I think that this pinup showed up in that image grand design bootleg i want to say okay and he first offered it for super freaks but we kind of just wanted all original stuff so he did uh i think he did kill cat instead Hmm. um and so this one he's just kind of had on him so uh i'm glad that eric published it in savage dragon because it is a cool pinup yep yeah it's neat it's like he colored this himself, I imagine. I think so, yeah. Looks like it from all this other stuff I've seen. Great artist. Definitely would like to see more of his stuff in the future. Yeah, this thing this thing is full of Super Freaks contributors. Except who did the back cover? Do we know? Can we read that name? What the, the which one's the back cover? Is it the uh Angel? Yeah, yeah. The angel and all the floating yeah, heads. I'm not. I'm not sure who drew that. I can't make it out. The sig- the signature is very small and blurry on my copy, and I don't have the letter- letters pages, which where I'm sure it would be told. Grunwald, maybe. Oh, you don't have the letters. I don't. I only have my digital. I haven't gotten my physical copy yet either. So it doesn't mention in the letters. It just says there's plenty of additional funny book fun to be had in the pages that follow. Hmm. It's a cool pinup, though. Yeah, I like all the floating heads of the different villains. I like it a lot. I just I wish I knew who it was. There's a corpse. There's a corpse. There's a corpse. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, who's still alive? Uh, um, Rogue Warrior. Rogue Warrior still alive. Uh, Glum. 
I, I guess uh, Roughneck is. Roughneck. I hope we see more of him. <laughs> what was the the woman with like the the worms on her head? His name I, I forget. I actually have no is that idea. Fever. No, no, that was no. That's not Fever. Fever is like Medusa. She just showed up like recent. Like I feel like she hasn't been around for more than twenty issues. Oh. Yeah. Come on, Mark. I don't know. That's why we brought you on. You're supposed to know these things. I know it's not Wormlock, who thought, also has like worm hair. For a second, I thought it was um, the one dude with the worms in the forehead. Um, forget his name. <sighs> what was his one name? dude with a worm in the head? Uh, remember, well, they had the whole worm gang, but the the, the ones that talked like one was good, one was bad. It was uh, oh, torment, torment, yeah. torment. Yeah, but it's a woman, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no. Uh, Mixing that up. Yeah, I have no idea who this character is. Yeah. Somebody somebody tell us. Let us know. Gavin would know. Typically All right. not available to be on the show, right? So uh, I think it's about time we wrap this up. This was a, a stacked episode with all those letters, interesting conversations, this issue, which was, uh, you know, death-filled, but which ones aren't? Hellfire is the name of her. Hellfire? Sorry. Yes. Who is that? I, I would have first appeared that in Savage Dragon two fifty four. Oh, so she's recent. Yeah. So she's probably alive. Probably. Or was that her death issue as well? This book. Who knows? Uh, no, I don't think so. She's probably still alive. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Right, <laughs> right under the buzzer. You would be getting um, so many emails about that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that one guy, one guy, Mark, that always (laughs) makes these goddamn comments. Thinks he knows it, and he comes on the show, doesn't know Hellfire. Yeah, bozo. What an asshole. Do not have him on your show ever again. I think you like Sublime, too. And Strokes. Poser. Poser. Yeah. Goddamn poser. Go fuck yourself. Worm wrestler. (laughs) All right, All so right, great. Th- thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Savage Fincast. Um, oh right, we got a next issue blurb. Uh, Raven's not here to do it as he does, so I will do it as I do. Savage Dragon two sixty six. The next chapter. Malcolm Dragon joins Special Operations Spike Force and makes a move to San Francisco. A new adventure begins here. A new town, new friends, and old and new foes. Get in on the ground level of, of a whole new chapter in the life of Savage Dragon and Family. Another outstanding achievement from the award-winning writer-artist Eric Larson. See, I do it more like a like a sitcom, like oh, ad. Sitcom. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like um, the nineteen eighties uh, kind of commercials for a Disney movie. Exactly. Beautiful. Way too fucking happy. I'm glad Raven wasn't out. here to read that because that was an amazing performance. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> what did you call it for? The, the Dragon Ball Z voice? <laughs> that Raven does? Yeah. Oh, it's totally the Dragon yeah. Ball Z. <laughs> Last time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> if, if there was any way that you guys could put the Dragon Ball Z music while they're reading those, <laughs> it'd be perfect. Uh... Well, right now, Raven's down in a van by the river, drawing comics. I hope they're good. 
It better be. It's missing this to draw some pictures. They better be good. We uh, we need to get uh, Augie Dublik Jr. in for it to wrap up our retros with our uh, Freak Force issue. We sure do. Let's work on that, dear listener. We are. We well, are he just working. commented today that he really wants to do it. I guess he was mad at whoever was on the last retro episode was talking some mad trash on on freak force how dare how dare they he wants he wants equal time <laughs> we need we're, to hear his we version. are definitely intending to do that he we we will not do that freak force episode without him i'll i will say that i'm very much looking forward to hearing that so i know he's a big fan and i would love for him to articulate what it is that he likes about that boring fucking book. <laughs> All right. I think uh, that's a wrap. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, see you again next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Poot.